Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we'll discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and ways they get the best out of their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. There's always a, a management or a leadership book on my bedside table, and I've, you know, I, I am currently running a very large, you know, multi-million pound turnover organization. But I'm still reading, you know, I'm still reading books. I'm still listening to podcasts. I'm still, I still don't think I am the finished article. Um, and I think that sort of relentless personal dissatisfaction is a good place for any leader to be, to be honest. That's Ian Trenum, Chief Executive of the Care Quality Commission. They register, regulate and inspect around 40,000 different health and social care entities across England. The CQC is probably one of the largest organisations of its kind in the world. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining us for this manageable conversation. I'm curious about your journey to landing this role and what what's helped you along that journey. The first thing that's helped me, I think, along the way was was the first, really nearly the first decade of my career, I was a, a police officer. Uh, first in the Royal Hong Kong Police, and then and then latterly in the UK Police. When you're a police officer and you turn up at a at an incident where chaos is ensuing, um, you you have a set of frameworks, you have a set of rules called the law, which you know are in your back pocket, um, and then you have to try and sort of make some sort of order out of chaos. I've done a range of different jobs, but the, the characteristic of those jobs has always been leadership in large operational contexts. I think one of the the really important lessons I've learned is the power of curiosity um, because you know people often say if you're a leader and you know the most about a topic in a room then you're in the wrong room and there's a sense of I have always been the person who doesn't know the most about a topic in a room but I've understood how to get the best out of other people in that room and I think I've, I've done jobs where I have been curious I, I've picked up what I need to know in terms of subject matter expertise but I've always understood the importance of surrounding myself with with people that do know more than I do um, an old boss once said to me he he always recruits people that scare him a little bit and I thought that was a brilliant piece of advice um, and and I've tended to recruit people that scare me a little bit I love that idea of hiring people that that scare you because it goes against the grain it goes against the stereotype whereby you know the boss is the scary character and people are kind of cowering and, and keeping quiet what is it that you would bring then to those individuals that are better at something and scare you a little bit? I think what the chief executive should be doing, I think, is to be making sure that your team can operate as a cohesive whole. It's about understanding when um, when, when you need to intervene on a topic and, and, you know, and put out some fires. Uh, and equally understanding when you actually shouldn't intervene. And I think you also bring... Um, that sort of strategic direction, um, sense of, of, of values. And one of the things that we do a lot of at CQC is we talk about our purpose. You know, we talk, we talk about that relentlessly. It's clearly a demanding role. What keeps you sharp? What helps you be resilient, bounce back in the face of setbacks? I guess it's a number of things. I think some of it is, is, is around having good people around you. I've got a particularly good exec team at the moment uh, that I've, you know, I've managed to build up over the last few years, um, you know, who are genuinely, I, I believe, world class at what they do. 
there's also an honesty in that group. There's also an honesty in the in the wider uh, senior leadership group. Um, you know, in the top, if I look at the top thirty managers, there's an honesty there that they will they will come and tell me when we're doing you know when the, when we're kind of going off in the wrong direction. I've got I've got a relationship with my board, which again is is I think really constructive. You know, they 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 can and will come and talk to me about issues. I've got a you know great relationship with my chair. You know, we can have conversations around what we should and shouldn't be doing. And I think also having a great family as well makes a difference. I know that sort of sounds like a it sounds like I'm being trite, but you know if you've got a if you've got you know a a, a good partner and 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 children and so forth around you, that that does make a difference. But I think one of the things that was particularly interesting during covid was that um there was a we moved into a communication stance as an organization where we as senior leaders were much more open with um with the organization than we would ever have dreamed of being uh beforehand that has led to you know to to a, a great deal of organizational support implicit organizational support you know colleagues randomly sending me emails saying you know you know that that was really good and keep up the good work and even as a chief executive getting getting a you know a nice email from someone does actually you know bolster you and does does make a difference so i think all of those things together i don't think there's one thing i could point to to sort of that that's the thing that keeps me going Ian, you mentioned the, the 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 quality of the team around you that you've clearly had a role in in shaping and connecting. You then talked about the top thirty managers, and that that makes me curious about managers within your organisation or organisations that you've worked in. Where where do you fo- where would you focus? Where would you invest? It's a difficult one because I think I think people often talk about talent programmes and you know senior leaders and and, and um, you know the top. X percent, and, and and many organisations have talent programmes, as do we. But I think the group that I'm really interested in are are those kind of, I guess the third quartile group you could describe them as. Um, I remember having a conversation with a head teacher once who said to me, "Look, the the, the upper quartile um, group will will largely in a school will largely manage themselves." The second quartile will probably look at the upper quartile and think, yes, I can, I can, I can get to that with a bit of hard work. The bottom quartile are going to need some support because they, you know, they often don't have the support externally, so the school will need to step in. But that third quartile group are potentially shiftable uh, with a little bit of effort, and and you can, you know, you, you can raise the the overall standard of the organisation by shifting that that group up. I, I'm interested in. You know, in some of my first line leaders who are are not 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 that experienced or or, or are not are, are not as good as they potentially could be, um, they're not people that we would naturally identify as talent for the for the purposes of a talent program, but that third quartile group of leaders are a massive opportunity for us because if we can. Um, if we can invest a small amount of effort in, into supporting that group of people, that will have a massive payback uh, out of all proportion to the investment in terms of the overall quality of the organisation, the quality of the work that, that, that we do. Most of the, your customers um, actually interact with the people that that third quartile group manage. So investment in that third quartile group of managers has a massive return in terms of the the the, um, the impact it has on your on your customers. You know, if you genuinely want to raise the quality of what your of your external service, investing in that third quartile group, I, I think is a is a really fertile area potentially. And I haven't heard that 
that that way uh, you know you framed it in a way that it feels quite different and um, provocative perhaps investing disproportionately in those that typically don't get that much investment what would help managers in your opinion get the best out of their teams day in day out i think one is consistency if you're going to promise to do things you should make sure you go and do them what you very quickly realize is is that your your personal reputation your personal brand is very fragile and and it goes one of two ways uh, and it's constantly under under review it's kind of your brand is almost event driven I, I think you know people talk about diversity in a often around protected characteristics but I think there's diversity as well in terms of the way people think the way people act you know and actually you can get an awful lot out of some people if you just give them if you give them a little bit of time I think there's also something about learning to speak to people like if people talk, often talk about charisma as a as a thing in leadership and, and I bluntly don't agree with that I, I think the ability to stand on a stage the ability to talk to people the ability to listen are, lear- are teachable skills they're learnable skills one of the things that that I did a long long time ago was did an MBA and in doing that MBA it taught me that the combination of experience plus plus some frameworks around theories um, you bring those two things together and you become quite quite it becomes quite a powerful combination there's always a, a a management or a leadership book on my bedside table and i've you know i i am currently running a very large you know multi-million pound turnover organization but i'm still reading you know i'm still reading books i'm still listening to podcasts i'm still i still don't think i am the finished article um and i think that sort of relentless personal dissatisfaction is a good place for any leader to be to be honest what do you make of Ian's point about relentless personal dissatisfaction as a spur for positive change in yourself as a leader? How eager are you to learn more and deepen your knowledge in particular areas? If you don't have the time, what's the opportunity cost for you and your team? I'm reading a book a month as a way of showing relentless curiosity, and I've been doing that since the start of 2020 when I was convinced I didn't have the time. What I've done is just reallocate it to what I prioritised, and I would highly recommend that you do likewise. And finally, the other thing that I think is, I'm still not sure whether this is a, whether this is a long-term thing or whether it's a sort of COVID thing, is, is just a, a level of personal authenticity, the like of which I've never seen before. So... You know, I do I do an, an all hands call twice a week to my to my whole organization. Um, and quite early on in COVID, um, I in the middle of the call, I got a phone call from um, from the hospital to tell me my mum was was terminally ill. Um, so the whole organization knew that my my mum was not well. And, and four weeks later, the whole organization knew that I couldn't make the call because because my mum had died that was a something which I wouldn't ordinarily have shared with 3,000 people um, and I wouldn't have expected the organisation to want to know that but actually the outpouring of support that I got was was phenomenal actually and I've had colleagues that have shared a whole range of things quite senior colleagues one of my senior colleagues talked about how um, she'd had a miscarriage um, uh, and, and how that had affected her I've had other colleagues talking about you know topics like the menopause and so forth there's just something about um a level of of sharing and authenticity that covid has brought um and i don't know whether it's here to stay i don't know whether it's going to be a a continued expectation or not um i'm sort of i'm naturally quite a private person 
traditionally we would have seen you know leaders leaders sort of putting some kind of protection around themselves and being very circumspect about about sharing their lives whereas i think actually what we've seen again and again is that uh, is that happening uh, that, that sort of that sharing which is i think is quite important there is this this point you made about authenticity and openly sharing important things that are going on in your life in in one's life but on the other hand you 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 admitted that you're quite a private person and yet i got the impression that this new dynamic that manifested itself in your organization is positive is is helping how much do you need to play a particular role even if it doesn't suit you as the leader i certainly found during covid you were having to make uh, small decisions you were taking the organization into different into in different directions and 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 getting involved in things you wouldn't normally get involved in uh, and making some judgment calls and so forth. Again, that became a more collaborative style of, of of leadership, and sometimes you had this sort of had to suppress the overwhelming desire to be command and control. But but actually, you know, really, what you needed to do was have collaborative conversations. And then, you know, at other times, you 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 needed to be quite managerial in style, um, you know, and and making sure that that you know that you were keeping your promises on a you know the fairly prosaic things you needed to keep doing that the organisation kept doing them. And so, you know, you had to sort of, you had to move your style. And I think, you know, to be frank, I, I, I realised that well before COVID. COVID has exaggerated some of that. Ian, it's been a, a great conversation and very thought-provoking, very fresh and, and, and gives me lots of pause for thought. I just wanted to thank you very much for taking the time today. Thanks very much, Farley. It was great, great to talk to you. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach, and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.